Greetings, friends, and welcome to a fresh edition of the Archie Update. We are so excited to have you with us today for what promises to be a really good show. We have special guest J.P. Williams on, who is the pastor of First Baptist Church. But before I introduce J.P., let's go to the community board to discuss upcoming events. Now, for the month of August, the big news in Archie is that school is starting again, and there are all sorts of opportunities that correspond with school. Uh, first and foremost, on Wednesday, August 15th, PTO will host their open house. Parents, make sure you have that on your calendar and make sure you're prepared for that. And then just two days after that, and students, you may want to plug your ears if you're still in denial, but school will officially start Wednesday, August 17th. Brand new year, brand new opportunities. Let's get ready to go. Uh, the day after school starts, Thursday, August 18th, the Booster Cup club will host their pep rally which begins at 6 30 p.m and is open to the entire community and then last but not least this is not an august update but it's worth getting on your calendar in advance fall festival will be september 24th it's always a great time it's worth your attention go ahead and mark it on your calendars unless you're driving and just make a mental note fall festival september 24th well that's all we have for the community board today which brings us back to our special guest, J.P. Williams. J.P., we are so excited to have you on the show. How are you doing? Oh, it's a glorious day, Miguel. Great. Well, J.P., I'm especially excited for this interview because I consider you a personal friend. I've really enjoyed our work together at the Ministerial Alliance, and I feel like any show that's going to feature leaders in Archie who are making an impact and investing in this community has to include you because you really work hard to make a difference in this community, and I, and I can vouch for that, and uh, I'm, I'm just excited uh, to be with you here today. Now, if you haven't had the opportunity to meet JP, we're going to start with a segment called Get to Know You, and I'm just going to start with two super simple questions, JP. Where did you grow up, and when did you move to Archie? Well, when they were remodeling the uh, Pizza Hut in Butler, uh, they had a picture up that said our hometown and somebody had neglected to put a picture inside the frame and th sometimes that's the way that my wife and I feel we both grew up as Air Force brats and so I zigzagged uh, north and south from uh, Michigan down to Mississippi and up to North Dakota down to um, Oklahoma and eventually landed in Missouri and um, my wife went east and west we didn't actually move to Missouri until after we'd been married for a while but uh, so we've been all over the place. So really, we, we don't really have a hometown. We joke that our hometown's the Air Force. But I, I would say Altus, Oklahoma is where I lived for the longest at one time, 10 years. And uh, Vicki and I both count that as our hometown. Graduated from college there. and We moved to Archie in 2011 from Appleton City, Missouri. We'd been there for four years and more or less have lived in Missouri. We've lived in Bolivar, Appleton City, and Archie uh, since 2003 with a, about a six-month diaspora uh, back to uh, Oklahoma for a little while. Great. Can you uh, tell us something that you love about this community? Well, I've, I've been in awe, both in Appleton City, but also in Archie, uh, to see the way that people come around, the community comes around people that are hurting. Uh, we did a, a fundraiser or two since I've been here for people who are suffering from cancer, for instance, and in one night we raised over $7,000, and there were people that came from north of Harrisonville, you know, down from Butler, they just, they heard about this, and they were friends and family, and, but uh, I've just seen the community over and over again, uh, whether it's a house fire, or an illness, or uh, a sudden death, uh, or even, you know, just personal financial needs, 
and, and people come out of the woodwork and are very kind, very generous in that way. Yeah, that really is something fantastic about Archie that I've got to see a little bit also in, uh, in the past two years I've been here. Um, we're going to have a little bit of fun, if you're ready for a little bit of fun. We're going to play a game called True, Two Truths and a Lie. And, and the way this game works is JP has prepared three statements. Um, I don't know which one is true or which two are true and which one is a lie, but he does. And I'm going to try to guess which one is a lie. So JP, take it away. I was once a telemarketer. I am a black belt in karate. I am a huge Doctor Who fan. Okay, so the Doctor Who, I can definitely believe. Uh, if you don't know JP, he's a little bit of a nerd. And I don't say that pejoratively because <laughs> I am also a nerd. So I'm right there with him. So I'm going to cross that one out as a lie right away. And that may be a mistake. We'll find out. Um, and the telemarketer thing, I, I, I don't know. Uh, and as far as black belt and karate... I've never seen you fight a man, and if I'm wrong, I, I'm going to go ahead, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and, and say that's a lie, and if I'm wrong, I hope I don't get hurt as a result. You, you are correct. That is a lie. That is a lie. Got it. Awesome. All right, so let it put it down for the record. J.P. Williams is not a black belt in karate. Um, well, J.P., uh, really excited to have you on today, specifically representing the Ministerial Alliance. Now, J.P. has served as the president of the Ministerial Alliance for years, and um I thought it'd be good to start. Can you tell our listeners what a ministerial alliance is and what exactly it does? Sure. Well, the different periods in history, uh, American Christian history, ecumenicalism has been a buzzword. And so for the uninitiated, that's the idea that churches of different uh, denominations and even um, really of different streams of Christianity, for instance, you know, Roman Catholicism, uh, and Protestantism, you know, Eastern Orthodoxy, these different ways that people express their faith. Um, there's quite a bit of difference between them, and so there's a there's a misunderstanding that a lot of people have that unity demands uniformity. And so a ministerial alliance is an effort to say, okay, what are the things that we can capitalize on that we have in common? And so uh, even, you know, if you're Roman Catholic, if you're uh, Lutheran, if you're Baptist, if you're Assemblies of God, if you're Baptist-Methecostal, whatever you are, you know, most Christians agree it's important to feed the poor, it's important to clothe the naked, it's important to watch out for people that are disadvantaged in whatever ways that we can. And so, you know, uh, Psalm 133.1, for instance, says how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And so we look for the things that we have in common. Uh, one of my friends who lived in St. Joseph, Missouri, one time we had a conversation, and I said, you know, when you guys cooperate up there with with a you know such a larger area, you know, surely there's there's a lot of diversity, and occasionally you, you run into somebody that you know believes some strange things that you maybe not feeling feel comfortable working with those people. And he goes, you know, I can paint houses with just about anybody. He says, obviously, there's a point at which there might be some discussion about how we proceed on some things, but. You know, there's there's a lot of things we can cooperate on together if we capitalize on the fact that hey, we all believe in Christ, and um, as long as we're talking about the same Jesus, which is a whole other discussion, of course, um, then we can move forward together. And so that's what the Ministerial Alliance tries to do primarily. Awesome. And in your experience with the Ministerial Alliance, where does the alliance make the greatest impact or difference? Well. It's really a continuation of that first question. Uh, one of the things that we try to do is provide some community worship options and opportunities, actually, would be a better word for that. 
uh, community worship opportunities where, for instance, our, our biggest service every year is a Thanksgiving service. And, you know, we come together and we really, you know, get a window into the book of Acts where all the believers in the community come, you know, come together and we, we share a meal together. And then we go and we have a, a service where we offer Thanksgiving to God. We challenge our people to be benevolent. Uh, that's our, our biggest offering every year is at the Thanksgiving service. Or when we do the baccalaureate services where we come together and we, we bless these graduating seniors who are you know, going to be kicked out of the nest and, and go out into the, the, the quote-unquote real world. Of course, a lot anymore, a lot of them have experienced a great deal of the world before, you know, because there's a lot of these students that, uh, you know, they experienced personal tragedies and, and personal obstacles they've had to overcome already. But either way, th- those are opportunities that we come together and worship. Uh, and I think it makes a, a difference in that regard that, um, you know, it helps people see you know, how many believers there really are in our community. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna take a segue. I would. I would. If I took a shot at it, I'd say probably about half of our community is still unchurched. That they're not involved in any local church, you know, in a regular way. But there are a lot of believers. I mean, when I you know sit in um, different meetings around the community, for instance, and I look around the room and I recognize, you know, sixty percent or more of just about any given committee or council or people that I that have expressed to me that they have a personal faith in Christ and and you know that's very encouraging to see and so but I think one of the places the the alliance makes the biggest difference um, is in our benevolent efforts um, whether you're conservative or or more progressive uh, in your in your political orientation I think most people can agree that our social systems are in disrepair and there are people who fall through the cracks for different reasons um, and the alliance is there to sort of absorb some of those needs that would fall through the cracks otherwise. You know, for instance, uh, uh, you know, we try to emphasize the need for paper goods in our food pantry because, you know, there are people that are just that flat, busted, broke that they can't provide, you know, diapers or, or things like that for their kids sometimes or, you know, people that are passing through town. So we try to meet some of those needs, and I think probably the, the, the place that we do the best work is when we, we help those people that are falling through the cracks in some way. Yeah, that's really good. And um, I'll kind of add on to that. Uh, I know that the Baptist Church has a food pantry for those who are in need of food, and that Evangel Church does a clothing closet, and that these are services just that we make available to the community that we work together through in the Alliance. Yeah, and, and just to clarify, I mean, that's hosted at the Baptist Church, but that actually belongs to the Minister Alliance, that food pantry. Definitely, definitely. Now, if people are listening and, you know, getting excited about what the Minister Alliance does, what's the best way to support the Alliance and their efforts? Well, I mean, you know, giving, obviously, and participation, it's, it's sort of like your local church, you know. Pray for your, your pastors, um, you know, we have, I think it's six pastors. Last time I, I did the count that are involved in the Minister Alliance at some level. There's a few other congregations here in town that that have, uh, or in the local area rather, that have helped at different levels. But, uh, you know, you pray for your local churches, pray for your pastors, um, pray for their work. There's an awful lot of things that go on behind the scenes that, you know, people who attend worship services on Sunday mornings maybe you're unaware of. Um you can pray for the welfare of your city. You know, Jeremiah 29.7 talks about that, that believers have a, 
responsibility to, to pray for and to work for the welfare of their community. And so when you hear about things that we're doing, whether it's a fundraiser or a food drive, um, you know, participate. One of the things that I love is that, you know, we are contacted regularly by organizations from the school system, uh, organizations like Archie 2000 or the Boy Scouts. You know, they'll reach out to us and they'll say, hey, we, we have a, uh, you know, a community service project we want to do. We want to collect food. We want to collect clothing. Uh, we want to collect school supplies. You know, can we team up with you guys? And, and that, it just, it just makes my day every time I get one of those phone calls because that way, you know, people can recognize, hey, the churches in this community, you have a vested interest in this community being strong, thriving, uh, and, and we want to excel together in those kind of things. So any way that we can resource uh, an organization in the community, we want to cooperate and vice versa. We, we invite that kind of, of cooperative effort. JP, I really appreciate you coming today and and uh, representing the Ministerial Alliance and talking about what they do. Uh, to close our time together, I want to give you one last chance with kind of an open mic segment to say anything else you might want to say to the community um, or any th- other thoughts that you have for today. Sure. Um, I have to confess, I, I typically don't quote people that I haven't read much of, but there's a uh, an author named Henry Nowen, and he was a, a priest for a very long time, and at some point he actually left the professional ministry, if you will, and became a social worker with uh, mentally handicapped children. And there's a quote, and I, I, I probably butcher it a little bit when I quote it, but he says that changing the human heart and changing human society are as interconnected as the two beams of the cross. And so... Uh, you know, one of the things that I, as a pastor, am constantly asking myself is, you know, what are some ways that we can practically impact our community? And so uh, I don't know if I made the right decision or not, but I, I, was, I was asked to uh, fill a vacancy in the city council. And one of the words of encouragement that I want to give is the folks that are on the city council uh, are working hard to improve our community where we can. I mean, we've got a great town. Um, I know that you know people make a lot of sacrifices to stay in our community, to live here, uh, and to make our community uh, even better. And so, you know, the the folks that are on that council, uh, they're working hard to make the community even better. Um, some of those processes are frustratingly slow. Uh, the council feels that people in the community feel that people are working for the community, but there are some good things that are happening. And uh, you know, the, the city government—I mean, they're they're pro business. Um, you know, they're working to improve our streets. There's some projects that are coming up that are, I think people are going to be very happy to see some of those things go on. And, and uh, you know, we want to hear from you guys. If, if there's some specific concerns that you have, uh, reach out to us. And, and I also want to encourage people to remember, though, that, you know, even if we had the most beautiful community in 100 miles, and you know, uh, the most thriving economic situations and so forth, you know, uh, ultimately, we need to remember to put Jesus first, and um, what's really going to make any community better is is uh, believers, people who who accept the gospel and and live that out in their life. Because you look throughout history, uh, the Welsh revival is a great example. I, I love the stories that go on there, where 
you know, all the bars closed down and, and they were converted into churches and poor houses and things like that. And, and people had to retrain their animals because they only knew how to respond to profanity. <laughs> and so, you know, you know, and, 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 and you see the community change as people's hearts change and as, as, as Christ changes us, everything around us changes. Our families are better, our community's better. And so uh, we're blessed, like I said, with a, a community with a lot of people who believe in Christ and live out the gospel. Um, but I, I just want to specifically reach out to anybody uh, that, out there that maybe is, has questions about faith. Uh, you know, one of the greatest blessings, I will say, every minister in our community is, is quote-unquote, the real deal. You know, they believe in Christ. They believe in, in the gospel. They, they, they hold up the scripture uh, as, as a standard. And so, you kind of can't go wrong in, in, in any place you go to worship in this community. And I can't say that about every town that I've been in. <laughs> so, so that's a real blessing. Well, JP, thank you so much. It is always a pleasure. And uh, just appreciate your insight and uh, just taking time to be with us today. Um, we'll see you all again soon in just a couple of weeks. The next episode of the Archie Update will be out. Until then, have a great week.